Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Monday, April 6th, and I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by one of our most valuable assets to the DFS Coach Talk team. It is Mr. Leighton Wilson. How are you today, Leighton? I'm doing good, Coach. Thanks for the awesome introduction there. Well-deserved, my friend. Uh, so we're starting off another week, another COVID-19 lockdown week. Uh, I know for you it's been a little bit different because you've still been able to get out and, and work and do your uh, sort of regular stuff where, you know, being part of that team that's, I guess, considered a necessary uh, work environment is uh, better than being locked down, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, this past Friday, we actually just got our essential employee papers. So oh. we had to put those in our windshield. And uh, I know Missouri, here where I live, is doing the stay-at-home act or whatever it's called and basically trying to get people to stay home unless absolutely you know necessary that they need to get out. So... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be different around here for sure. Even in the small town I live in, it's starting to, you know, be even more quiet than it than it usually is. But that I'm just taking it day by day, just like everybody else, and doing what we can. Yeah, that's that's all we can do. It's it still is surreal at times, though. Every once in a while, you sort of forget about the situation. It's like, man, I mean, it's just like you would see in a movie. You know, people can't get out and you have to have information on your windshield to to be to go by to just to be out of your house. It's like what the heck, craziness. And I don't know uh, if you listened to yesterday's show with with uh, podcast with with uh, Santino and I, but we talked a little bit about you know the different scenarios of possibilities of when they come back and what it's going to look like. You know, there's been some different pieces of information out there of people saying they may just all play in Vegas and lock down in a hotel and then play on the the two sites that they usually play the NBA summer league because they're both connected there. You can easily get from one to the other. There's all kinds of things and options that uh, the NBA is looking at, but uh, who knows at this point? I mean, nobody knows anything. So that's what makes it so bizarre for all of you out there that are sort of control freaks like me that like the the calendar set and everything, you know, normal and set up and done. And it's like, this is way, way outside my comfort zone. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's, like I said, it's definitely different. And uh, I I believe I saw something the other day where uh, president Trump was actually supposed to talk to all the commissioners of the sports that are supposed to be going on right now. He did, and they, they did a uh, – I watched uh, SportsCenter last night. They talked about that meeting and really didn't say much of anything other than the fact that he did tell them, you know, we know you got to get back as soon as possible. We're going to push to get this back as quickly as we can uh, when it's, you know, safe to do so and uh, just the regular mumbo-jumbo like that. But uh, basically the commissioners, I guess – we're talking amongst themselves about different ideas of 
doesn't sound like any of them are going to be playing with fans anytime in the near future on any of the sports. But trying to determine, I think, the next step for all the leagues is, you know, do we play in one venue and not try to travel as much for for the, the teams that play like uh, almost every day, like baseball, basketball, that kind of stuff? For football, it probably wouldn't be as bad, uh, and I'm not sure even hockey, but uh, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of weird options out there, and I think uh, you know we're going to see some in- interesting stuff that we've never seen before, but of, that's where sort of we are now. So I guess that'll just go on with the theme, you know? But I can't yeah, imagine exactly. watching an NBA playoff game with no fans. That's going to really hurt. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, LeBron's commented on it plenty of times that he doesn't want to play without fans because there's really no point in it. But I mean, like you said, with with people that play better on the uh, at home or better on the road, you know, it's going to be something where you have to really look into that, I guess, if you're a team of that nature and and see how that's going to work out for you. No doubt about it. And uh you know, we're still, you know, as you know, and we say it every podcast, but, you know, our goal here is to prepare for when DFS comes back. As you know, and as all of our listeners know, our focus is not to waste this time uh, with silly stuff. It's, you know, we're breaking down every NBA team. And this is, we only have six teams left. So this is our third to last show, buddy. And then we're on to baseball, which we're going to do the same thing. And then we're going to do the same for football. And we're also going to have, uh, you know, go over some rule differences on each site for each sport and, you know, contest selection, bankroll management, all the stuff that's going to help you uh, really crush it when when DFS comes back. And then it's going to be a blast. We're going to have uh, a mock draft that will go for four days for each sport, basketball, baseball and football. Uh, that'll be coming up uh, end of May, beginning of June, if if we're not back to sports, uh, where we'll we'll be drafting guys from our experts within the DFS Coach Talk team of uh, players that we think are going to do the best from a DFS standpoint. So we'll be taking uh, the NBA players with the remaining uh, season of the regular season that's left. And the playoffs. And then for Major League Baseball and the NFL, we're going to be uh, taking them for regular season DFS points. So it's something once sports gets back, we can actually uh, keep a tally on and see who had the best mock drafts. I think there may be a couple of side bets on that uh, flying through the the, uh, ranks. What do you think? Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's not you and Mike, it'd probably be you and Andrew, but uh, I think you'll be involved with it either way. Yeah, I think so. I think there's going to be some dollars exchanging hands, that's for sure. Well, today, as I say, we're down to the Western Conference counting down from worst to best. So uh, Leighton and I today have the sixth place Houston Rockets and the fifth place Oklahoma City Thunder. Both have the identical record of 40 and 24, but the Thunder hold the tiebreaker against Houston because they're two and one against them this season. So, you know, what we've been doing is just 
slicing and dicing through these teams and talking about what we're anticipating uh, when they come back. Like there's a lot of guys that had been injured. Now they've had the time to heal up uh, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, sort of give a, you know, a little bit of insight into what we anticipate is going to happen down the stretch. And uh, again, I don't know if you listen, I, I doubt you had a chance to listen to yesterday's, or I don't know if you've heard this on some of the things, but uh, did you hear some of the feedback from some of the players and the players uh, NBA association uh, the last couple days, uh, Layton? No, I actually haven't got a chance to look at any of that. Well, it's interesting, and I mentioned it yesterday, but it's something noteworthy enough to mention again is it's funny because uh, some of the players of the teams that have really already been eliminated, uh, Suns, Timberwolves, Warriors, all kinds of teams like that, that have absolutely no chance, they don't want to play out the rest of the regular season. Because, and, and I'm not speaking, I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying some of them have let the Players Association know. Chris Paul's the head of the Players Association. He's brought this forward to Commissioner Silver because they figure, why should we put ourselves and our families at risk to play 12 or 13 games that are meaningless to us because we can't make the playoffs? Whereas if we just were allowed to stay to ourselves until the beginning of next NBA season, then by then we'll probably, you know, have everybody healthy or have an injection to, to you know, fight it off or whatever it is. But uh, uh, something I wasn't expecting uh, at all. So isn't that interesting? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, if they were to go with something like that, uh, I mean, there's plenty of matchups between playoff teams and non-playoff teams. So then you dive into, you know, that aspect. What do you do there? Do you just give them a win there and go on from that? And then obviously with seeding, if if one team is facing six out of, let's say there's 10 games and they face six out of 10 teams that aren't playing and get yeah. six wins automatically and then a team right behind them only gets four, I mean, you're, you're really... I mean, I guess, like you said, this is something we've never even seen before. Um, but the only thing I would say is if this never hit, you know, we'd still continue the season and, you know, you wouldn't have those players saying a word about that. I know it's it's not something I expected. That's for sure. I, you know, I I know they're all chomping at the bit to play, but I guess with guys like Cat, you know, where his both his mother and father have had it in his uh I guess his mother's pretty darn sick. It's it's scary. I'm sure, you know, when it rings that close to home, uh, I, you know, I'm sure it gives you a little bit different uh, look at it. So it's it's a sad situation, but it's so, you know, so confusing. Really, nobody knows what's going to happen, uh, to be honest with you. It's, you know, the, and then, then the other piece of news that I thought was amazing, because how the hell would that work is, uh, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, said that he he said this right out in the press. You can you can fact check it. He said that there will not be any NFL games played in his state for the remainder of this year. So okay, so what the hell happens if the NFL tries to go back and it's ob you know it's his right to state that. So I guess. Those teams would have to play their games in other stadiums. I mean, good Lord, man, this is so crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they would have no other 
no other no other choice than to do that so uh again that's just something i guess we'll see when the time comes if that's actually a realistic statement or you know depending i'm guessing on the the situation uh, that we're in now uh if it were to you know increase and get a lot better uh trend towards that way then i would say we'd look at something a lot different than that I don't know, man. I guess, you know, I bring these things up and there's a couple other ones I could even mention too, but it's just, all it does is make things more confusing. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So I guess to try to decide that, uh, you know, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good because we're just going to be grasping at straws here. You know, obvious, all of us love sports. We want DFS back. We can't wait to get that going. But of course, we also want everybody to be safe and everything else. But you know, for those guys, I mean, the, the owners of the teams and the commissioners and stuff, when they're discussing this, yeah, you know, it, this isn't uh, a game to them. This is billions and billions of dollars, and they've got to figure out, you know, between the politicians, you know, not wanting to play and players not wanting to play and all the different dynamics at play here, because who's to say when – Dr. Fauci and the CDC and all these guys are going to say it's safe to go back. And then what if they go back and there's a little outbreak again? Do they just shut everything back down? I mean, it's it's mind boggling, dude. I, I don't know. I just I guess we just take it a day at a time and uh, see where it plays out. But to get back to the point that I wanted to originally make is uh, we're we're doing our best here. We're going to do a seven-day-a-week podcast no matter what. I'm actually sitting on my porch right now, so if you hear any birds or my dog going in and out, that's that's what's going on. But we're going to be live bringing, it to, bringing this information to you every day, breaking down teams, figuring out every advantage we can get. And uh, we're going to utilize that the day the DFS starts and crush crush it. I know I say that all the time, but that's what we're going to do, man. And speaking of crushing it, why don't you start in with the team that everybody wanted to get because they're a fun team to talk about, the small ball Houston Rockets. So give us some big info that we can take with us until the Rockets get back out on the court. Yeah, Coach, let's dive right into this. Um, to First of all, to touch on it, you already touched it. They had a, a 40-24 and 24 record uh, tied with the – Oklahoma City Thunder, who you'll be touching on here in a little bit. Um, that puts them first in the Southwest Division, a game and a half ahead of Dallas. So Dallas is in that second sp- uh, second yeah. place spot there in the Southwest. Uh, I broke down their home and away. Uh, they're 22 and 10 at home, and 18 and 14 uh, away. And then their last 10, normal. they've been yeah. last 10, they've been six and four. So uh, I think a big thing I want to touch on first is you know, uh, 40 and 24 is not a bad record, but I think a lot of people saw, you know, the Rockets as a more of a threat in the West than just, you know, kind of the middle middle of the pack kind of team. Um, obviously, well, they're going to make man, the playoffs. But. Do you remember like 15 games into the season? They were like six and nine. People were freaking out like they were going to be terrible. So they did start really bad. And considering 16 games over 500 and this small ball experiment, they've been pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they've definitely played a lot better uh, later this season and probably, you know, the last couple months before this shutdown happened. 
because of that change that they made. And we'll touch on that a little bit more later. Um, but basically what I want to do is uh, dive straight into the DFS side of it and kind of touch on that and uh, where the usage goes and all those all those good stats there. Um, I actually have a question for you, Coach, after this. Okay. Uh-oh. Um, all right. Yeah, you're always you're always quizzing me, so I thought I'd come come back at you. But uh, I'm so, always ready for a quiz. So James Harden, right? He leads the usage rate at 36.4. Uh, Westbrook is right behind him, two points behind him at 34.4. Who uh, is? Those are both fantastic numbers, by the way. I mean, those are worthy of the spending the big bucks to take those guys. That's for damn sure. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, my question, my question for you is, who is the third and fourth in usage for the Houston Rockets? We're talking about regular players, not just like goofy, they don't play, but a couple of games kind of guys. I cannot answer that. Wow. All right. Uh, I would say that. Eric Gordon would be the most common sense pick. Am I right or wrong with him? He's in fifth. Okay. See, I've got a feeling these are going to be kooky guys just because of the quiz. So I'm going to dig down deep here and try to come up with quirky guys that come in that don't play much or were up and down from the G League that shoot the ball, so they have a lot of usage. I am going to throw out Chris Clemens. Chris Clemens is in third at 24% usage rate. No shit. I should win yep. at least five bucks for that guess. That is a great guess. That is. Uh, this last guy? Oh, shucks, man. I don't know. I, I really I don't know, so I'll just say Ben McElmore. Uh, he is down at seven with 15.6. In fourth is Ryan Anderson, who's not even playing basketball anymore. Oh, for crying out loud! That's that's <laughs> beyond a trick question. You now you owe me ten bucks instead of five. <laughs> no, so I, got I mean, Eric, I did get Eric Gordon, who's fifth. You said he's fifth, and then you got Chris Clemens at Clemens. three. Hey, I'll I'll take that. I, I'm proud of that effort, I guess. But I I would have guessed a hundred guys before I guess stinking Ryan Anderson, that's for sure. <laughs> no, exactly. And I mean, that's, that's the point I was trying to reach is that is crazy how you have Westbrook at 36.4 or sorry, Harden at 36.4 Westbrook at 34.4. And then after that, the two guys immediately after him, one's not playing basketball anymore. And one has been going back and forth from the G league all year. And then these guys that you have that actually put, you know, legit minutes in there. You got, like I said, Eric Gordon in fifth at 22.1, Ben McElmore at 15.6 in seventh. Uh, then you got Austin Rivers at 14.8 in ninth. Um, and then other than that, I mean, you have your guys like Sabalosha or Cephalosha and PJ Tucker that barely go above a 10% usage rate. Oh, my gosh. Well, see, this is a perfect example of how meaningful this is. Everybody knows that Harden and Westbrook are ridiculous. So they're which from what you said, that's like 71 percent usage combined for those two guys. That's unbelievable. There can't be another team with two guys combining for that high. Guarantee it. But what it does say is because Houston plays at a, a quick pace, 
all of us suckers that have been trying to slide in Gordon, Macklemore, Rivers, Hartenstein House, Cephalosha, P.J. Tucker, these guys are all not good DFS players. And I think they get forced in to lineups just because they're part of the Rockets, and that could be a big mistake. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the point I really wanted to make with this is those guys are prevalent if one or two of them are out, meaning Harden or Westbrook are out. Oh, That's gotcha. the only time they would be prevalent. I mean, because yeah. you're talking about a third of the usage opening up. So uh, well, more than kinda, that. Yeah. Yeah. 30%. That's, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's insane. And like you said, if I mean, if you were to look into all these other teams that we've covered, you probably wouldn't see that same scenario. So that's just yeah. that's crazy how dependent they are on those two guys. Yeah, that's a challenge to our listeners out there. If anybody can find two guys that combine for over 70 percent usage on the same team, send it to us on Twitter, because I am without knowing it off. I can't believe there's another team. Because you very rarely have a guy, you know, in the 30s, like mid-30s, 35%, just one guy on a team that high, let alone two, that's unheard of. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, obviously, uh, we'll dive into Harden here a little bit. Um, He had that real rough stretch there for a while, and, you know, people were constantly taking uh, Westbrook uh, to kind of fill in that spot there because his usage kept climbing and climbing because, you know, Harden was struggling. And me and you have had the conversation before, you know, Harden's the type of guy, a lot of people take him for a greedy guy, but he's the type of guy, if he gets doubled or if he's not having a good game, he'll start dishing it out and he'll start moving the ball. Well, you know, the the big thing that's huge is knowing the teams that double the ball because teams like Toronto and Dallas and uh, the Lakers did a little bit. Uh, They will run a double right at James Harden as soon as he crosses half court, forcing him to immediately give up the ball. And like you said, he doesn't force it between if he sees two guys, he's confident enough in his team that he's going to kick it and let them play four on three, which is the way to do it. But what you don't want to have Harden in a game like that where he's just giving up the ball because he's not even getting the assist most of the time. They're just playing four on three and then, you know, it falls from there. So that's the only concern with Harden is, is he going to get doubled like that? And when he does, I mean, you, you got to be a fool not to, to roster Westbrook because, you know, his 35, 36% usage is going to shoot over 40 in a game like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like you said, I, you know, uh, or I know you that you guys have touched on that multiple times throughout the podcast during the season. Um, because I mean, like I said, Harden was going through that tough stretch. Everybody is giving him a hard time, but this is really what I wanted to touch on. He's still first in scoring in the league. Yeah. He's first in three-pointers made by over 30 shots. The next closest is Buddy Heald. Yeah. And he's also second in uh, fantasy point average this season. And, and he's a billion ahead in free throws attempted and free throws made, too. It, like, ridiculously ahead. It's just yeah, – he's he's – Possibly, I'd say it's like almost tied for me between Giannis and him as the single best guy to roster. I know that he, a little tiny bit of the luster has come off having Westbrook next to him, but like you just stated in those stats, he's still just absolutely ridiculous. 
Yeah, and then I know, you know, we've touched on this before, Coach. You know, uh, when it comes to Giannis, he his minutes get cut because they'll be blowing yeah. teams out. And True. the Rockets, you know, haven't been the exact team that everybody thought they are. And D'Antoni, yeah. he'll, he'll play them 35, 40 minutes, whether they're beating a team by 20 or losing by 20. So I would go to say that if you were trying to, you know, pick between uh, a guy like Harden and Giannis, I would say, you know, Judging on the matchup, probably go with Harden. Well, you know, I I generally would say that because I'm I'm more lean towards the money e- uh, minutes equal money scenario, and Harden definitely averages a lot more minutes than Giannis. But I will say this in Giannis's defense: if the season ended now and they didn't play any more games, he would break the DFS record for these like five or six years that DFS has been around. Uh, for points, DFS points per minutes played. No one's ever been to, at the number he's at right now. So I'll throw the quiz back to you. Do you know what that number is? Points per minute played for Giannis this season, which would be the highest in the history of DFS for the NBA. You're talking about fantasy points, I'm guessing? Fantasy points per minute played, yes. Per minute, I'm going to guess 2.1. 2.3 good guess you you stayed under too so he's at 2.33 so that when you think about it that's ludicrous dude i mean i i'd be happy to roster an entire team at 1.3 per minute you know so the fact that he's at that 2.3 number uh to me makes that even to the exact point you just made about hard and he does get blowout minutes and a lot more minutes and so many foul shots and even though Giannis is bad from three and bad from the foul line, he's still getting 2.3. Can you imagine when he starts hitting 30, 32% of his threes and starts shooting 75, 78% from the foul line? He's going to be, I mean, so much the best. It's not even funny. But he's oh, yeah. not there yet. He's not there yet. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, I mean – People tend to forget a lot that a lot about some of these players. I mean, some of these guys are still in their mid twenties and have a lot of room to grow. Um, and you just kind of forget 20s. about that. Yeah, some of them are teenagers, for God's sakes. The Zion's, Luca just turned twenty, uh, <clears throat> twenty or twenty-one. I don't know, but something like stupid like that. So it's just craziness, man. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, we'll we'll dive back into here. But uh yeah, I mean, like I said, my point was, you know, Westbrook is also I mean, Westbrook is Westbrook. He's a freak. So uh yeah. I don't I would go to say uh, I believe Santino was talking about this the other day. Uh Westbrook, I mean, you're talking top five athletic guys in the league today, if not ever. Yeah, no doubt. The guy no is doubt. absolute freak and I've never seen – I mentioned it, I think, on that podcast you're talking about. I've never seen anybody with a motor like his. I'm talking anybody, Michael Jordan, Kobe, anybody. I, I, I think he plays harder every second he's out on the floor than any player in league history, in my opinion. That's a big statement. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially – you're you're talking about in the history of the game too, not I really just mean not that. just in present. So now, and I've been following this game very closely for a lot of years, and the intensity that he takes out onto the floor, unmatched. It, I don't know 
how he does it. And he's been doing it for quite a long time now. It's not like he's 22 or 24. I mean, what is he, like 30, 31? He's getting there. He's not, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, exactly. A lot of guys, uh, you know, those you'll see them start to change their, their game when they get to that point. And, you know, he really hasn't. He's still a slasher. Nope. And, you know, we talked about, we touched on the small ball aspect they went to. And I really think offensively, you know, their numbers already already great. I believe they're uh, second in offensive efficiency in the league uh, as yeah. a team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a small ball kind of team, literally everybody on the court can shoot a three and you're going five wide, I mean, there's nobody in the paint. You're letting no. Westbrook blow past that guy and he's going straight to the rack every time. I guarantee you none of the teams are excited to play Houston in the playoffs. When you have a one-two punch like that, that's tough. I don't care if you're the Lakers or the Clippers. That's tough. (coughs) Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's what I was kind of That was so good it it choked me up, man. I had to get a drink. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, they're second in offensive efficiency. Uh, 16th in defense efficiency, so kind of right in the middle of a pack there. Um, a stat that probably wouldn't shake too many people up, they're second to last in assist percentage. Wow. Well, because Harden, a lot of times, if they're not doubling, he just dribbles the ball like 17, 18 times before he goes to the bucket, and nobody else is touching it. So. Yeah, it's yeah. the same, same thing with Westbrook. There's a lot yeah. of isolation, a lot of one-on-one game that they play. Yeah. Um, and then those guys usually get it, you know, on the kick out or, or had to work for a rebound. But to follow on the rebound side of it, uh, in almost any rebounding category, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, or overall, they're bottom third of the league. Yeah. Uh, which well, is they not don't surprising. have they don't use any fours or fives. They they have a yeah. lineup of two ones, a two and two threes. I mean, how the hell are you gonna? I don't know how they're doing it as as is, you know, rebounding wise. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got what six six five PJ Tucker as your center. I mean, that's if, uh, no, <laughs> no matter how scrappy that guy is. When you have all those big guys out in the West, uh, you know that would be my main concern with them. Uh, just to kind of lead into this playoff race. I mean, you're talking about uh, Clippers who have Montrezl Harrell, Zubac. Uh, I mean, Kawhi even. Um, then you're talking about the Lakers who have McGee, Davis. Howard, the uh, Nuggets have Jokic and Grant and Millsap. I mean, all these fours yeah. and fives are all over spread across the West. And we're not talking about slouches. We're talking about top oh, yeah, 25 players in the league. Good bigs, yeah. yeah. That's going to be tough. I mean, they've beaten some of those teams in the last a couple of weeks, in a few weeks up to the stoppage. So it can be done, but... As you know, when the playoffs come around, everything slows down. Everything, every rebound is tougher. Every defensive possession is tougher. I just, I find it hard to understand how they're going to hang in there against the Davises and Jokic's and all those guys. That's going to be tough, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, truthfully, it's just going to take Westbrook and, and Harden absolutely dis- demolishing all of the playoffs, and that's that's the bottom line. When you look at the team leaders here for the Rockets, you have, of course, Harden with 34.4 points a game. You have Westbrook, your point guard, leading with eight rebounds. You have James Harden, 7.4 assists. James Harden with 1.7 steals. And James Harden even leads in blocks with 
James I mean, Harden does? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's why, I mean, I was trying to really prove that point or drive it home. I mean, that's how reliant they are on these guys to perform. And uh, a lot of people probably don't know that. They, you know, kind of just look at it as, oh, it's James Harden. Oh, it's, it's Westbrook. No, I mean, they simply believe or simply rely on these guys in almost every aspect of the game. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody else rostering on their team in any consistent type of format whatsoever? Now, I know myself speaking, I you mean, I look at these lineups that people are producing, and it's, it amazes me how many times there's uh, P.J. Tucker that at 12% usage or Robert Covington, who's been pretty good with them or, or Macklemore, these guys are making people's lineups, but based on that statistical analysis, it almost looks like the Dallas team I talked about yesterday, you take Luca or Porzingis or punt. It's almost like that with Houston to some extent. Although I mean, Gordon can have a hot game too. So I guess there's a little more leeway with him or Covington, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, me and you have touched on Covington quite a bit since he made that move over to Houston, and and it's great for him. So I really think, obviously, like you said, uh, just depending on the night, Harden or Westbrook, and if you can get Covington in there with, you know, a decent matchup or kind of a filler, that's what I'd go to. And I stand corrected on the blocks, Coach, uh, since Covington has moved over. Uh, and then Capella was averaging 1.8. Of course, he's with Atlanta yeah. now and hurt. And then I guess they weren't counting Covington's. But since Covington's been there, he's actually averaged two and a half blocks for them. Wow. That yeah, that's a lot. And that yeah. that you know those stocks that Covington's been getting definitely puts him into play. I mean, I think he's a solid because his price has remained very reasonable too. That's that's the other thing. So if it is a perfect matchup for Houston, you know, I think Covington's a reasonable choice. What do you think about Eric Gordon? I, to be honest, coach, I think anybody else on that team is reliant on injuries that happen and usage and minutes opening up for the okay. most part. Um, unless yeah. it's, it's just one of those things where you're trying to make a GPP play or, Simply you have, you know, X amount of dollars left and, oh, well, this guy's here. Hopefully he has a nice game. Uh, I mean, because I guess the thing with them is you always have Harden and Westbrook. They're 10K plus easily. Harden's usually 11 plus, which that's what gives Westbrook a little edge there sometimes is, you know, he might be around that 10-2 range where Harden's around 11-3. Well, if I can save a grand and go somewhere else with it, I might make that choice. And then, uh, like you touched on, Covington is always around five to six k usually. I think he's not much much higher than that. Fifty six to to sixty one somewhere in there, I believe. Yeah, and I mean that's fantastic, uh, especially like I said to touch on the steals too. Uh, he averages over one steal a game, so I mean yeah. he he's easily going to give you on Fanduel. Obviously, with three uh, points for a steal or block, he's going to give you nine points in defense and that's not to mention he can shoot the three ball he's going to rebound a little bit there and get it done in other categories too so i I definitely think he's definitely he's he's an outlier kind of but uh he's definitely there he's he's a stocks kind of guy especially since he's moved to houston because even though they say tucker's the five and he jumps center covington sort of plays the five he's getting more of those rebounds and blocks and and uh 
you know, he can play the two for crying out loud if he needed to. So, yeah, I, I like him. And as far as Gordon goes, you know how if you ever take something down and a guy just goes like 14x for you, you just always love him. And I had, I had Eric Gordon in a game where Westbrook and Harden were both out, and he had 50 real points for me. And he was like 4,700 because the, the sites hadn't adjusted his price. And uh, I took something down with him. He was fairly highly owned, but still, I mean, he had like 63 fantasy points at a cheap price. And so I, I've got a soft spot, spot in my heart for him this year. But you're right. When when Harden and Westbrook are out there, I, I think it's just pretty simple. If, if Covington uh, is in a good matchup where he's going to get those stocks, that's cool. If not, then, you know, it's better not to jam in the Macklemores and I just to play like an Austin Rivers or even PJ Tucker to me is just crazy. Oh yeah, it's definitely a stretch. Um, but yeah, coach, if if we can, we'll dive into their contract situation a little bit here, and then uh, we'll work our way to the Thunder. But uh, yeah, they have they have a big payroll there. I know that. Yeah, so obviously you have Westbrook and Harden. They average around forty million a year. That's uh, all. <laughs> Yeah, up till 22-23 season. So obviously they had those two guys locked down there, and obviously that's for the most part through their prime being Westbrook's 31, Harden's 30. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess that's a good situation for them, but you're also talking about uh, over those next three or four years, that's $250 million locked up in two guys. Wow. Yeah, so that's definitely seems a little, a little steep when you look at it that way. Yeah, uh, they're worth it though, that's for sure. If in all, you know, when you look at the whole picture, I guess, you know, at least they, they get it done. That's for sure. There's guys making big bucks that don't, so I guess those guys deserve it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that actually takes me back to. Uh, Back when they bumped up the cap, the cap room, you know, uh, quite a bit back in the day. Uh, who was it for Memphis? Oh, Mike Conley got yeah. that huge max contract yeah. and gets injured the next year. And I don't even know if he's playing basketball anywhere anymore. So, yeah, he's still playing with the Jazz. He's been playing decent, actually, before the break. But you're right. I mean, you know, if you give those guys the contract at the wrong time, uh, you can get stung. I mean, there's Conley's a superstar compared to some of the guys. I remember uh, who's the guy for the Grizzlies, the real handsome kid, played for the Mavericks and Rockets, and and then he he's barely ever played. He's on uh, the Grizzlies now, and I he may have retired. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? I'll think of it. No, uh, it must have uh, been. Pretty, I'll think of it pretty low there. It was but unbelievable yeah. the money he made and never really played. So, yeah, it's pretty Yeah, I mean, crazy. I guess that's the business part about of it. It's always a risk. And, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, you're kind of diving into the aspect of the business and what they're missing out on right now and what they have to protect. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this in general, you know, without yeah. – what we have going on right now, but uh, to dive back into the contracts, uh, third on the team is Eric Gordon, who we touched on. Uh, he's locked down for an average of about 17 million a year for the next five years to the 23, 24 season. Wow. And then obviously they just got that uh, 
got Covington in that trade. Uh, he's on a pretty good contract at uh, an average of about $12 million for the next three years, so that's a great move for them. Uh, Tyson Chandler, Cephalosha, Bruno Caboclo. 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 Damari Carroll and Jeff Green. All those names right there will be free agents after this season. So, obviously, that's going to free up a little cap for them, and they're going to have to make some moves there. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're going to be going after any, you know, big free agents or anything like that with the money wrapped up in Arden and Westbrook, but they can definitely snag a couple, you know, veterans to help fill that fill that uh, bench out a little bit more. Um, sure. Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. Uh, Daniel House averages about $3.5 million a year for the next three and P.J. Tucker is at about $8 million a year for the next two. Um, obviously, House, uh, I think he's actually turned into a solid little role player this year. Yeah. Uh, he, he fits that spot there really well. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he's kind of a, scra- a scrappy guy, and uh, I think he found a pretty good home there in Houston. And obviously, at a contract like that, if you can get a solid role player out of that, I mean, you'd love to see that. Absolutely. And I just looked at the Grizzlies because I can't stand not knowing. And it's he's not on there because he's retired. But the name came to me. Chandler Parsons. That's who I was talking about. Oh, yeah. He got in a bad accident. Yeah. He was in a car accident. He had injuries just left and right. But, you know, he signed one of those mid-level like eighty four million dollar deals when he was, you know, he had played well for the Rockets and Mavs. And then. The Grizz got stuck with that contract, and the guy never played. It was brutal. But anyway, just not to go off base. I just no, no. One yeah, of those scenarios. You had to figure it out, or you wouldn't. Yeah, it have drove, tonight. It would have really bugged me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I mean, they they have some cap room opening up, not a significant amount to where you know they might be able to go out and reach and get another All Star or anything like that. But just to kind of you know finish it out, I I don't think. I like their system that they have right now for the players oh. they, they they have, uh, okay. but I don't I don't truthfully think with what they have right now that they'll they will be a contender in the next three to five years. Yeah, well, I mean it depends on those two guys that are now in their thirties. I guess is really the the full question on what's going to happen there. But uh, you know, I I'm not a big D'Antoni guy. I don't think he's a very good coach. I think he's just average. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep. All right. You ready for me to jump into the thunder here? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, as, we, you know, the, the point I wanted to make, we've, we've stated their record. They're fifth, but, you know, we don't know where they're going to play the playoffs. If they're going to be in one location or home and away, we have no clue. So, you know, their goal, obviously, if there is home playoff games, is to be able to move up one, at least one spot to uh, get that home court advantage. And they're only one game behind Utah, and they're only two and a half games behind Denver. And for that matter, they're only four behind the Clippers, who are in second. So, uh, you know, the Thunder have been a phenomenal surprise this year. Everybody assumed... This was a, you know, sort of like the Warriors are doing, that this was going to be a, a, a year where they're just going to rebuild. They acquired 12 uh, draft picks in the next uh, three or four seasons uh, in getting rid of 
Westbrook and all the different guys. They picked up Chris Paul, and, and they were everything I read, and we talked about a lot on DFS Coach Talk. They were just going to pedal Paul along and be done with it and just build some more draft picks. And there was a lot of talk that Stephen Adams was going to hit the road as well. So it would be total rebuild, you know, build around uh, Shea and uh, Gilgus Alexander. And uh, they were also going to move Gallinari. So they were literally going to leave the cupboard, cupboard bare. And then all of a sudden they started winning. And uh, I've been to some games in OKC, and that is an awesome atmosphere to watch a basketball game. It is like a college campus there because they don't have any other sports. It's a smaller town, and Oklahoma City is just – they're great fans. And they've rallied around that team, and now they have become uh, – you know, they feel like they're a contender with Chris Paul's uh, experience and leadership, which he's played out of his mind this year. And Shea's turning into a, a possible future all-star. Gallinari, Adams has been solid. And, uh, you know, maybe Billy Donovan's best year of coaching, in my opinion. But uh, a team that really was looking like a throwaway year, uh, they've created this situation where they could have a home court uh, round in the playoffs, which is absolutely shocking that nobody expected. So, you know, <clears throat> and how they've done it, uh, is is pretty interesting. They're not a run-and-gun team. They're 22nd uh, in the league in pace, just at 100.9. So they're, you know, they're setting up some half-court sets and working some plays and, and slowing down possessions uh, a bit. And then they're following that up with a top 10 defense in the NBA. They're right now 10th They've sort of wavered between 8th and 11th most of the season. So they're stopping people. So, you know, it's no fun when you come in there and you got Paul shutting people down at the point. Adams, you know, bo- uh, bodying people like crazy uh, in the paint. And even their guys off the bench, the, some of the young guys, Baisley and uh, Nerlens Noel, and these guys are blocking shots and getting it done. So, uh, not, you know, between their pace and their defensive efficiency, they're not a team really to target a ton in uh, in matchups. Now, if they're playing a huge pace up team, you know, let's say they're playing, uh, you know, somebody like the Rockets or the Pelicans, you know, then you got to really take a serious look because they are so efficient um that if they're you know pay, playing in an up-tempo game where you're going to get six or seven or eight more possessions, uh, some of these guys are very valuable. I mean, Paul, Shea, uh, Gallo, and and Adams. You know, I've even used Noel when Adams was out because he gets some decent minutes and he's a big blocks guy. Uh, so you know they become sort of a matchup-based team uh, pretty much, but. Here's the guy that I haven't mentioned yet, and this this I won't uh, won't quiz you uh, on this one because I don't I don't think you're gonna get it. But the guy I haven't mentioned yet leads their team in usage is Dennis Schroeder, and he, no one would believe that. You think okay, just like I just said, Chris Paul, Shay, da da. It's Dennis Schroeder, 27.2 percent usage off the bench he's played in 63 games and started only one so when he comes in he is gunning scoring shooting 
And, you know, that's a fantastic guy uh, under the radar at a decent price that is very usable. And I did not realize that he had jumped past some of these guys in usage. So definitely a guy to look at. Uh, Gallinari at 24.4, Shea at 23.7, and Paul at 23.2. So they're all right there together. Even if you look at all four of those guys, you're talking about four decent percentages of usage between 23 and 27. They've bought in, they're sharing the ball, and on a given night, they're all very effective. Now, here's here's something, though, that will surprise you a little bit, I think. Uh, what do you I'll, I'll, this is where your quiz comes in, man. What do you think the usage is for Steven Adams? Because he's frequently makes a lot of lineups because he's a cheap center. What what do you think his usage is for the Thunder this year? You're on mute, I bet. I'd say around 14 percent. That's a good guess. 17 percent. But he's a guy that's generally spent a lot of his career in the 20s, uh, you know, uh, so it's it's definitely surprising he's taken a little bit of a, a fall off there. But, uh, I, you know, there were, was a time where when we thought they were still going to blow it up at the beginning of the season that that he was uh, not factoring in as much and getting rested more for Noel because it seemed as though. Noel was the heir apparent to his job, and they were sort of transitioning that. But uh, surprise, surprise. I mean, I think they even surprised themselves. So not only are they a playoff team this year, which is pretty amazing, uh, and because they're already definitely going to make the playoffs, and it's, they may get a home court advantage in the playoffs for the first round, but they have all these picks. They have a ton of picks more than anybody else in the league over the next three or four years. So, you know, can they use those picks to, to build a stronger team uh, and, and be fantastic down the road? Or are a lot of those picks going to go to waste? You know, we remember the Celtics very short time ago had so many picks that Danny Ainge put together from, you know, and some of those were used fantastic, you know, for them, you know, the ones especially they got for the Nets for, for Garnett and Pierce. But a lot of those second rounders and, you know, late first rounders and things uh, sort of almost went to waste. They basically traded them away for nothing because they could not roster that many young guys. So it, it all comes down to how is their front office going to handle it and, uh, you know, where they're going to go from there. But again, you know, a good team to be a fan of because not only are they winning now, but based on all the draft picks and everything they have, uh, they could definitely uh, win in the future. So um, that, you know, that uh, is, is one big, you know, one good thing to look forward to as they're going forward. But, uh, you know, playoff matchups are going to be key for them. I mean, you know, there are teams much more talented if you really look at top to bottom on some of these uh, rosters. But the bottom line is they're scrappy. And they're tough at home, and their defense is good. So the teams like the Denver's and Dallas and all these other teams that may play them, uh, I don't think they really want to play them. Uh, I think that uh, teams are a little bit afraid. Even you, I bet you, if you really ask LeBron, 
you know, he's not thrilled about going against uh, a Chris Paul led team in the playoffs just because of the experience factor. So, um, you know, definitely a team to watch. Uh, they've been a pleasant story and I'm really happy that they've done it because the Thunder fans, you know, they would have stayed with it. They would have done what they needed to do to support the team, even if they had some downtime in the rebuild mode, because uh, they're those kind of fans, but they don't have to. So a rebuild while you're winning is definitely a lot of fun. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what Do you have anything you want to throw in there before uh, I dig into some of the contracts? Yeah, I mean, that was a great point there with uh, all the picks they've compiled. And honestly, like you said, you can you can do two different things with those. You can really build up your team in a nice way, or you can just dish them out and, you know, waste them. So I obviously I think with that many picks, you almost have to make a splash in free agency this year and go after, you know, maybe trade up in the draft and, and get somebody talented. Um I know that OB Topin, Topin, yeah. I, I think that would be a great fit there for them. Is in that, that three the kid or four spot? From, uh, let's see, he's from where? Dayton? Is yeah. that right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know a lot of people have talked about him. Um, it seems like there's a lot of guys declaring. I noticed that in the news recently. A real good player from France just declared. So. Yeah, the, the good thing, like you said about the Thunder, they can target some of those guys because uh, they ha- they'll have that flexibility for sure. So um, very, very interesting. No doubt about it. Um, all right. Well, let's let's look real quickly here. Let's see. Where is my contracts part? Here it is. Contracts. Thunder. OK, so we've got Chris Paul. You know, making silly money. He's only making 38 million this year, 41 next year, and 44 the following year. Is that nuts or what? So yeah, there you go. Pretty crazy. I think he they definitely will move him eventually. Adams 25 million this year and 27 million uh, next year. He's also probably going to go. Uh, they have a super bargain in Schroeder. He's only making 15. Five this year and 15-5 next year. So they'll hang on to him. The guys that are gone, though, are uh, Gallo's going to be gone. He's a free agent after this year. So he'll hit the road. So is Nerland's Noel. And I guarantee you somebody's going to pay him a hell of a lot more than the $2 million that he made this year uh, to be a, a young center somewhere. Uh, and then, you know, the, the good news for them is they've got Shea on that rookie deal where he makes 3 9 Four one and then team option to pick up for five four, so he's locked down for the next three seasons. He'll be fine. Um, but they they've tried to sign some of their young guys. They uh, Darius Baisley they have offered and he accepted a four year deal, uh, it, which is a lot for a guy that you don't know is going to make it. And then they yeah. traded for Isaiah Roby from the Mavs, who was their first round pick. He's 22 years old, and they signed him to a four-year deal. So they're trying to build with some young talent, and I think uh, with the picks that they have coming, and then uh, with more than likely moving these guys, because I can't imagine that uh, they want to keep Chris Paul at at that salary 
And I don't believe that they want to try to build around a, a Danilo Gallinari at 31 years old. So uh, expect a lot of movement from that team. But what a fine future with some of those young guys with Shea at 21. And, uh, you know, they have Diallo, uh, Hamidou Diallo's 21. And he's got some talent. Devontae Burton. They've got a lot of young, young guys. So I think the transitional year from them Maybe next year when they really, you know, they'll take a run at it this playoffs if there is one, and then next year move those guys and then start retooling for the future. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, you got to think that, you know, that's definitely a, a possibility. They also have Justin Patton. He's a real young center. Uh, yes. He's looked pretty promising too. So, I mean, with uh, the possibility of moving Steven Adams or well, you know you have that there, but yeah, you got to wonder if you know, maybe uh, you know they where can Justin move. Pat, you know where Justin Patton is. I do Dallas know. Mavericks, bro. They traded Isaiah Roby for Justin Patton. Patton, oh. and that'll be a guy. What a great lead-in because I will be interviewing on our show here a real close friend of mine who is the president of the D League, uh, G League. I'm sorry, Texas Legends. I uh, really right hand man to uh, Donnie Nelson with the Mavericks and and that's Malcolm Farmer. And when I uh, talked with him here last week to set up the interview and everything, he was talking about Justin Patton because I think he's going to be the the legend's best player next year. Uh, they have Cameron Payne right now. That's a real stud and he's been trying to make the league again. But uh, yeah, Justin Patton is a kid that. The Thunder gave up on for some reason, and uh, hopefully he'll turn into a good Maverick. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I, did, I was not aware that that was the trade right there, so my yeah. apologies there. But, yeah, I mean, they like you explained, they have some young talent already, uh, and you got to wonder, you know, maybe they try moving Chris Paul's big contract to oh, definitely. one of his buddies, uh, maybe play a couple years with – LeBron or play a couple of years with, you know, one of his buddies that he's been wanting to play with uh, his Not whole career. Not contract, and... <laughs> dude. There's no way. He's yeah, cornered I... himself into not being able to do that, though. I mean, nobody can absorb 40, 38, 41, and 44 million over the next three years if you have, you know, if you're the Lakers. I mean, and he can't – he's the head of the Players Association. He's not going to take a buyout or – pay pay decrease i mean because that sets an example to the rest of them so i think personally i think paul finishes out his career with a team that's just an average team wherever they can move him to somebody that's on the brink of maybe just making the playoffs or needs you know a veteran point guard uh because just because of the salary so anyway for for what it's worth but i I do want to say this i think the, the Thunder are not a team I'm going to target the rest of the season based on their defensive prowess, their pace, etc. However, because, like I mentioned, they're only four and a half games out of second and, you know, they still could slip down and not get a home court uh, playoff thing. They're going to come out gunning and needing to play well in order to uh, keep their position uh, in the playoff hunt. So, you know, if it's a good matchup, I'd say go for it. You know, like, you know, I always play point guards against the Cavaliers. If they're playing the Cavaliers, I'm going to take Chris Paul. I mean, he's he's put up the numbers. He's one of the top five guys 
in points down the stretch in the last five minutes of a game, even at 34, he's doing that. So he and LeBron at 36 and 34 are two of the top five scores in the last minutes of an NBA basketball game. That goes to show you that, yes, young legs and talent like that is important, but having the brains and experience on the floor is is uh, amazing. And I'll tell you, for the guys that are just getting into DFS and know Chris Paul now, if you'd have known and watched him 10 years ago, he the dude would, every game, 11 assists, no turnovers. 10 assists, one turnover. He's You know that he has the best turnover to assist ratio in the history of the NBA. He even moved ahead of John Stockton. So that, that tells you the kind of fantastic player he is. And people forget, he was the starting point guard on the, those teams that kicked ass for us in the Olympics with LeBron and Kobe and everybody. He was the quarterback of those teams. Uh, so he gets overlooked, especially at his older age now. And maybe because he does all those State Farm commercials, people hate him. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. But anyway, that's that's the story with the Thunder. Um, you know, definitely tune in to us. Check us out at DFSCoachTalk.com. Check us on Twitter at DFSCoachTalk. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, you want to throw something in the mix, we can bring on a future pod. My my Twitter is at Joe Sarvati. That's J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. And I'll throw it to you to give your uh, uh, Twitter handle. And don't be like Santino and misspell your own name. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got this one. It's uh, at DFS underscore L-A-Y-T-O-N. So that's at DFS underscore Layton. Excellent. And uh, our other pros, too, at uh, Mike Apotri, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. And our man, Andrew, is at Language Olympic. Uh, you can listen to us seven days a week. We talked about it earlier. We're going to do a podcast and a meaningful podcast every day until sports return. We're going to dig deeper than anybody could imagine to figure out the best DFS plays in the NBA. Then we're going to transition into Major League Baseball and then into the NFL. So we're going to have our three sports just dug into, sliced and diced until we figure out every moving part of every team. Then we're going to finish off, uh, if sports has not returned back, with some mock drafts that will be a blast that will give us an opportunity to look at that side of it uh, for who's going to do well DFS-wise from our experts. So that all in preparation for, again, when we get back and we can make some big money, take down some big tournaments, uh, and make sure we win all those 50-50s and, and head-to-heads. Um, we do ask you, when you're catching us on these podcasts, which you can listen to on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, YouTube, and basically everywhere podcasts are found, uh, that you take a second and rate, review, and subscribe. We're having a drawing this evening our monthly drawing, it's a, sun, a Sunday, uh, the first Sunday of every month, we have a drawing for a free one-month membership for anybody during that month that gave us five stars on iTunes and put a comment. So Leighton and I will do that uh, uh, and get that done prior to the month, this Monday podcast coming out. So we'll announce uh, the winner Sunday evening in our Discord 
And then Monday, uh, this podcast will come out and you guys can start fresh for a new month of, uh, of making that comment and giving us five stars. Also, you know, the key thing is subscribing because we put these videos uh, or these videos, these uh, podcasts out, you know, different times between like 11 and two each day, somewhere in there. And we try to just keep it a little bit moving spot. But if you want to know right when it comes out so you can listen to it, if you subscribe, you know, click that little bell on YouTube, it, it'll give you an indication right when when it posts. And uh, if you want to join us, I mean, jump in, you know, our memberships are frozen until sports begin again. So if you join in, you know, even if it's a week membership, uh, you just ride us out this next couple of months or whatever. You're not going to lose any time on that week or whatever you join for. Uh, but you get to be in our discord, get in some of our fun contests, talk a lot of sports and just dig in and get ready because that's that's exactly what we're doing here. So we appreciate that. Also continue to support our our uh our favorite charity, which is MambaOn3.org. That's M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E.org. Uh, just a wonderful uh, charity that, that still needs help. And with this COVID-19 thing going, it's sort of gotten lost in the shuffle. So please give there if you can. And and that's pretty much it, man. Any, any last words to our members and listeners out there, Leighton? Oh, well, first to you again. Thanks for, for letting me join the podcast. I've been having a lot of fun with them. This is my second one on the yeah. books now, and then I'm really looking forward to the baseball ones. That's kind of my bread and butter, so I'm ready to dive into those and get to look at a couple cool teams over there. And then, again, we have a lot of fun in our Discord. Uh, we just started actually, what was that, yesterday, Coach? We had uh, MLB and NBA uh, challenge yeah. so that was super fun to kind of see our members and of course our pros dive into to those slates so again if you want to join the fun efscoachtalk.com and uh get in there and let's let's uh get it going absolutely man and shout out to s caldwell he has the detroit uh lions logo in our uh chats but he uses our uh, dfs coach talk uh, badge on Fanduel, but have you? I can't get over this dude and how awesome he is at these simulations. I think he's. I mean, I don't know what he's, how he's figuring it out, but I'm telling you guys, you know, we've had like 18, 17 people in some of these little mini contests with with baseball and uh, especially basketball, but both. And and Mr. S. Caldwell there just keeps racking them up. Can you figure it out? No, I have no clue. He's definitely he's definitely got a groove going because he if he's not winning it, he's in the top three to five every time. So every time he's, he's definitely he's definitely slicing that up. Well, hey, you know, jump in Discord, cut, you know, check him out, tap into a little uh, Detroit Lions knowledge there. I don't know, you know, <laughs> if I'd be super proud of fly, uh, you know, fly the Detroit Lions flag, but hey. Who am I to say you can root for whoever you want? But let me tell you this. This guy is the king of the sim. That's what I've been calling him on our Discord. I don't even say his name anymore. I just put a crown up there. That's that's uh what is his what does he go by on uh what's his name on uh Vandal, do you remember? Uh you'll look I know you know it. I can't think of it all of a sudden, but it's, it's Chuck Davy. 
Chuck Davy, that's it. Chuck yeah. Davy. So keep an eye out for Chuck Davy and our our symbol on the uh, uh, the sim contest because I I put him up against anybody for real cash. So there you go. <laughs> All right, man. Good stuff. Uh, great show. Look, have a great week, guys. And let's just try to keep on. Keep it on. We got a little while to get through this and got to all count and work on it together. And we will get there. We're going to come out on the other side and we are going to be the most prepared people in the industry. I can tell you that much. So thank you so much for joining us for another uh, episode of DFS Coach Talk. For my fellow NBA pros, Micah Patria and Andrew Hansen, and of course, Leighton Wilson. Uh, I am Coach. We will catch you again tomorrow as we look to prepare to crush it in NBA DFS. Way to dribble up and down the court, just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the home.